That was our text in the New English Version. If you have found Jeremiah 31, I'll be reading it in the New King James. Jeremiah is a prophet during the days of Babylonian captivity and exile and hardship and oppression. And his ministry is one that is very bold, very tough, and yet he had the honor of delivering many strong words from God of correction, rebuke, as well as many promises. Chapter 31, like other chapters, is full of amazing promises to encourage the people of God. Today I would like to read verse 31 to 34. I believe this is a promise that applies to the world and to us as Gentile believers. Through Jeremiah he declares, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Can we say new covenant? Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers and the land that I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant which they broke, though I was a husband to them, says the Lord. That story is being told, so to speak, in the cinemas right now. Christian Bale stars as Moses. They've got the story all messed up, but there's some interesting special effects. They do a good job in capturing the immensity of this crowd traveling such a great distance and the route in which they took. It was, it was tough. Check it out if you care to, but read your Bible. In fact, it wouldn't be a bad idea to start out the new year reading Genesis and Exodus just to get inoculated against Hollywood's creation. Verse 33, but this is a covenant, this new covenant, this is a covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. No more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they all shall know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and their sin, I will remember no more. So this is a promise of a new covenant that will be made with the people of God. And in this new covenant, he will put his law in their minds and write it on their hearts. And he will be their God and they will be his people. And no more will anyone have to tell their neighbor or their brother, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest of them. In this new covenant, we would all be priests. Under the old covenant, you had to relate on a priest to relate to God. Priest had to offer sacrifices for you. A priest went into the presence of God and then came out in the presence of the people. But in this new covenant, we would all know the Lord. And in this new covenant, God will forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember no more. Iniquity is what makes us sin. Let's say a, a sin is an assault. The iniquity behind an assault would be fear or anger or unforgiveness or bitterness or believing lies. God deals with our iniquity and our sins. I like the fact that he promises to not remember our sins anymore. This is better than forgetting. He wills to not remember. Who's ever forgotten something? Teenagers haven't forgotten a thing. You guys know everything. But just wait till you hit your 50s and you start forgetting things. 
But then you remember it. Wake up, suddenly you remember it. God's not like that. He's omniscient. He's all-knowing. So it's impossible for him to forget something. So he chooses to not remember. You choose to let it go, let it go. Any parents in the house? Any parents of adults in the house? Do you still remember Junior messing his britches and messing up the party? No. You let it go. You forget it. That's what God does with our sins. He chooses to not remember. There's that famous story of Mother Teresa who... Some helpful friend, how many have ever had some helpful friends, uh, reminded her of something horrible somebody had done to her years earlier. She said, why are you bringing that up? I distinctly remember forgetting that. (laughs) If God forgets because he chooses to, he chooses to not rehearse it, he chooses to not recall it, chooses to not remember it. This is what forgiveness is about. You can't undo the past. People do horrible things. You have to make a decision. I'm not going to dwell on that. I'm not going to recall my mind to think about that. I'm going to not remember it. I'm not going to rehearse the story. I'm not going to remember it. This is what he's done in this wonderful new covenant of which we are a part. So today's topic is you are in a covenant with God. Can you tell someone this? He related the Old Covenant was something that was broken, even though God was a husband to his people. The closest thing we have to covenant between humans is marriage. Welcome to Generation, Mr. and Mrs. Kirschbaum. Recently, Ty the Knot made a covenant with each other. This is a covenant that is unbreakable. The old one showed our faults, pointed them out, showed us our need for a Savior. The new one is a totally new deal. And I hope when we're done here today, you leave here with a fresh appreciation for the gospel. You are in a covenant with God. The word covenant, according to word in my computer here, is a solemn agreement between two or more persons that is legally binding. A solemn agreement between two or more persons that is legally binding. Check it out if you have a computer. It goes on to say, and I think this is through being, that an example of a covenant is between God and Israel. Isn't that something? The world's understanding of covenant is through biblical history between God and Israel. In our culture, covenants are few and far between that stand. I mean, you can have people sign documents in blood and have an army of lawyers, and they'll still break contracts with each other. Greg told me earlier today, a covenant is only as good as a person's making it. Contract is only as good as the people making it. Well, that's good news. Bad news, but it's also good news. The new covenant is good because a person that made it is Jesus Christ. Amen. He won't betray you. Berith is a Hebrew word for covenant, and it is derived from a root word that means to cut. You ever cut a deal? Why would you say that? Check it out. 
Let me know what you find out. It's derived from a root word meaning to cut. A covenant is a cutting, referencing the dividing of animals into two parts. With a covenanting, parties passing between them, thus cutting a covenant. It's as though, I think, as though they're saying, I'm going to abide by this with my life. May it happen to me as it happened to these animals, should I break this covenant. Diakathe is the Greek word for covenant. The word dia relates to the number two. To dissect something is to cut something apart. It's a Greek word for covenant is diathica, which is also translated a testament or a will. Our covenant is one that is also a will. And a will only stands when the willmaker dies. Has everybody got their wills done? If you don't, you need to get a will. At least write something down on paper and sign it and have a witness sign it. When you die without a will, it can cause all kinds of problems for your descendants. As long as you're alive, you can change that will. But once you die, the most recent will stands. The new covenant, the new will, the new testament stands because the testator died. Sealed it in his own blood and then he rose from the dead as as our executor to make sure we receive our inheritance. Isn't that good? You are in a covenant relationship with God. Can I say that? I am in a covenant relationship with God. If you're not a believer, you're invited to come join us in this covenant relationship. And it's my hope that there's generated in your heart a desire for such a thing this morning. You're in a covenant relationship with God. Let's look at a couple things that are foundational to this covenant. First of all, the Lord made a covenant with Abram. He began to visit him. In Genesis 12, he told him to get out from where he lived, follow him, and told him, in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. He began to give him promises, promises of his covenant. And he made this covenant with Abraham by himself. His name was Abram, and he changed his name through the covenant-making process. Numerous visitations, he changed his name to Abraham in part of the covenant-making process. Oftentimes, in the making of a covenant, a person's name can be changed. God made this covenant with Abram by himself. This is what was unique about it. Hebrews 6.13 says, When God made a promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself. Verse 16, for men indeed swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is for them an end of all dispute. Thus God, determining to show more abundantly to the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath, that by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation. And he goes on to talk about this hope that we have, which is an anchor for our soul. So, when making an oath, a person makes their oath based on something greater than them. Christians in a courtroom will place their hand on a copy of God's word. I swear on the basis of this word to tell the whole truth, nothing but the truth, so help me God. And if they're honest people, they will abide by that oath. And this helps, this helps make a difference in whether or not your testimony is believed. It helps. 
in disputes. Now Jesus said, don't be swearing. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. If you're constantly having to say, I swear, constantly having to make oaths, there's something wrong. But when it comes to doing something legal, something highly important, I don't think it's wrong to put your hand on the Bible and give your word that you're going to tell the truth. God, in making his promise to Abram, couldn't put his hand on anything greater than him. He is the greatest of all, so he made it with himself. And it was through a covenant ceremony. Look at this in Genesis 15. He's giving Abram more promises about the land he's going to inherit and these promises that are going to come. And Abram, in verse 8, asks the question, Lord God, how shall I know that I will inherit it? How will I know? Verse 8, the Lord said to him, bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. Strange story. Bring me these five animals. Then he brought all these to him and cut them in two, down the middle, and placed each piece opposite the other. So you've got two heifer halves, two goat halves, two ram halves. But he did not cut the birds in two, so he killed the turtle dove and the pigeon. So you've got Three halves and a bird, three halves and a bird. When the vultures came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. Out of obedience, he offered this sacrifice to God. He asked God, how do I know this is true? God said, do this, and you'll know. So God's about to make an oath to him. So Abram's walking between these pieces around. Some people say he walked in a figure eight, symbolizing infinity, can't prove that, but he walked around these creatures keeping the buzzards away. And then look what had happened. Verse 12, now when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram. So he falls down or he lays down and he's asleep. And behold, horror and great darkness fell upon him. Then he said to Abram, and he began to foretell the horrors that would come upon his descendants when they were in Egypt for 400 years as slaves. But in this horror would come deliverance. Verse 17, And it came to pass when the sun went down and it was dark, that behold, there appeared a smoking oven and a burning torch that passed between those pieces. On the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your descendants I have given this land. And he began to give the perimeters of the land, which you have yet really to walk in that promise ever in their history. What's Israel today is pretty puny compared to what God had promised to them. This is a strange story. Abram wants to be reassured. How does he know God's telling the truth? God says, kill these animals, cut them in two. And Abram falls asleep. And God gives him promises. Some's good news, some's not so good. And then... God, as a smoking oven and a burning torch, passes between the pieces. He walks the aisle, as it were, and makes a covenant with Abram by himself, as a burning torch, as a smoking oven. What's Abram doing? He's asleep. 
So God made a covenant with Abram, with God, for Abram. This is a picture of the gospel. Jesus became the sacrifice for us. He didn't just walk between the streets of this busted up world. He became the sacrifice. He became the ram. He became the blood offering. And he said, I and my Father are one. And yet on the cross, he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? How could he be one with God and yet be forsaken by God? Looks like a separation for me, doesn't it? Looks like a splitting to me, doesn't it? Looks like there's a cutting going on, does it not? We know his body was cut upon, but it looks like there's a cutting upon him spiritually. So that the separation between us and God might be healed through the new covenant. He took the curse upon him. We have broken the covenant. The curse of breaking the covenant was death. He took that upon himself. So this new covenant which we have received, the sin of breaking that covenant has already been paid for in the making of that covenant. Making a permanent eternal covenant for us. Jesus made this covenant with us by his blood. And we celebrate it with communion, which we'll do here this morning in a few minutes. In Matthew 26, as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Verse 27, then he took the cup, gave thanks, and gave it to them and said, Drink from it, all of you. For this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. You can find this passage again in Mark 14, this story again in Mark 14, and Luke 22. So the cup we drink points to his blood that was shed to give us a new covenant with God. He did that not only for our sins, but he did that for our covenant. This is our church logo, which points to the covenant. It's Generations Church of Granbury's logo. The G stands for generations, and it stands for Granbury. And the C is the church inverted, pointing back to Granbury. Generations Church of Granbury. We're a church here for Granbury. We care about Granbury. Right? The light that shines the farthest shines the brightest nearest home. So our heart is for this community first. Then we go out. Right? This is our Jerusalem. Then we go out. It also stands for God and for covenant. God made a covenant with God on the cross for us. Covenant making can involve several things. It can involve the giving of terms. Christ came and began to give the terms of the covenant. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the merciful. Repent. Follow me. Believe the gospel. The covenant terms were given through his ministry. Vows are made. He promised a lot of things to us. Names are exchanged. He gave us his name, did he not? Symbols are worn. For us, water baptism is one of our symbols. For us, communion is one of our symbols. We remember this covenant we have through the symbols. And a meal is eaten. Communion is a meal. This happens in weddings. 
The person performing the ceremony gives people a charge about what's involved in marriage. And if they want to go through with it, then vows are made. And there's exchange of names. 37 years ago, that night didn't know what we were doing, but we made a covenant. <laughs> she became Mrs. Alan Latta, and I became Yvette's husband. I became Yvette's husband, so that's, that's one of my names. She's Yvette Latta, but she's also Mrs. Alan Latta. Vows were made. Terms were given. Names were exchanged. Symbols are worn. A meal was eaten. And a good time was had by all. (laughs) This part of covenant making is common to our culture. There's some other parts that may not be quite common, but they are biblical, as well as ancient cultures often will have these things in their covenant making. There's the offering of sacrifices, which we see happening in Genesis 15. And we see prescribed in the rituals of the tabernacle as beginning to be related to in the law in the book of Exodus. Blood is shed in the making of that covenant. The atoning for sins of breaking it, as well as the sealing of that covenant. Scars are made. Christ, in making our covenant, was scarred from head to toe. What's our scar? Water baptism. (laughs) Pretty painless. The old covenant, though, the scar was circumcision. Ouch. Permanent marking of the flesh. Sign of the covenant. Garments are traded or weapons are traded. David, in making his covenant with Jonathan, they traded belts and they traded robes. Exchanges made. Christ became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God. He became naked because we were naked, that we might be clothed with the robes of righteousness. Memorials are established. Stones are stacked. Monuments are set up to remember. Documents are signed and sealed. Communion is a memorial. As often as you do it, do it in remembrance of me. In 1962, Don Richardson and his young family went to Irianjaya as missionaries to work amongst the Sawi people. The Sawis were cannibals. If that wasn't bad enough, the Sawi people loved betrayal. It was like their favorite pastime to be friends with someone from another tribe, win their trust, and then betray them, pull the rug out from under them. And then laugh and tell the story. And some of their favorite stories were legendary tales of betrayal. So when he got to where he was able to communicate with them in their language, he told the gospel and Judas was the hero to them. Then he learned enough of their culture to be able to get the point across to them. They were so vicious and so untrusting of others. The only way the tribes in this area of the world... Papua New Guinea now, the only way tribes in this particular area where he was could have peace was for the chiefs of two opposing tribes to trade sons. Now they have peace because we care about the life of the son being raised by the other chief, the other tribe. And boy, that boy better not die (laughs) or it's on. 
Then Don was able to communicate that Judas had betrayed the son of the chief of all chiefs. He got the point across, and a mighty conversion took place. In 1962, an extraordinary thing happened. A young American couple, Don and Carol Richardson, literally relocated to the ends of the earth to a small place called Irian Jaya. Along with their eight-month-old son, Don and Carol set up a jungle home in the midst of the Sawi tribe. As Don and Carol studied the Sawi language, they discovered a very unusual tradition. The Sawi people believed that to betray and then kill a friend was an honorable trait. Because of this strange kind of hero worship, the Sawi mistook Judas as the hero when he betrayed Jesus Christ. Jesus was simply the fool to be laughed at. However, Don and Carol discovered another unusual Sawi tradition. The Sawi had a unique way of making peace between warring groups. If a father offered his son to an opposing group as a peace child, future bloodshed would be prevented. This concept allowed the Sawi to understand that the one Judas betrayed was a peace child. The impact of this news changed Sawi history forever. In the 10 years Don and Carol spent in the jungle, approximately two-thirds of the Sawi people put their faith in Jesus. Christ, the ultimate peace child, came that through his death we might be reconciled to his Father. Ephesians 2 says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near to the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two one, and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away, and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. Merry Christmas. Our covenant maker is to be remembered. Obviously, the terms of a covenant are not to be forgotten. But this covenant we have is with a person who wants to be remembered. It's not just a contract to fulfill. It's a covenant of relationship. 1 Corinthians 11 reviews what was shared in Matthew, Mark, and Luke about communion. Paul writes in verse 23, The Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Like marriage, this new covenant is all about a relationship, not to be thrown to the side, not to be taken for granted. It's a relationship with a person based on a covenant that is for life. Our peace with God made possible through the giving of his child is now eternal. Hebrews 13.20 Now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus Christ from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ. Notice, this is possible through the blood of the everlasting covenant. May the God of peace, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will. And how does he do this? Working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ. This reminds me 
of the promise. Jeremiah 31, the days are coming when I'll make a new covenant. 33, verse 33, this is the covenant that I'll make. I'll put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. You see that? May the God of peace, through the Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of the sheep, may he work in you to will. It is he who works in us both to will and do his pleasure, another verse says. This is the new covenant. This is the Holy Spirit. He convicts us when we do wrong. If you're off track, if you're not living in light of your covenant, repent. Come back to him. No more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember no more. This blood covenant is about Christ paying for our sins, but also paying for our covenant with him that he brings us into. He cut the covenant with himself so that we might be included in this thing. We weren't even alive when the cross happened. Here we are, you know, 20 centuries later and counting. And it still stands. A contract in today's time, remember I said earlier, is only as good as the people making it. This covenant still stands because the one who made it, better than us, this is the gospel. You are in a covenant with God. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, help the truth of what you've given us and what you've included us in to take hold in our lives in such a way that your law is written in our hearts and that we will not remember our sins anymore. And we will remember you. Thank you, Lord. Lord, that 
you gave your son as a sacrifice for us, Father, that his body was broken so that we can walk in reconciliation with you, Lord, standing before you one day in the Holy of Holies, entering through the veil that was torn by your son. We take this bread now, we break it in honor of your son, in remembrance of him, Father, and what he did for us. In Jesus' name. doesn't just give us a relationship with God it gives a relationship with one another think about it the covenant you have with your brothers and sisters you didn't make he made it our part is to walk it out show his love to one another and it starts at home but it doesn't stay there it's not us born no more it goes beyond show his love everywhere we go especially with the household of the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord God Almighty cause His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May Almighty God lift up His countenance upon you and give you His peace. Peace that passes understanding. Peace within yourself and peace with your fellow man. May you walk in love and unity everywhere you go. Choosing to not remember people's sins against them. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. We give you all of our hearts today. We want to walk out your will. In Jesus' name. Amen. Look for someone you don't know and get to know. God bless you.